I, I got to say, it's a pretty incredible point tally to get 31 from Maeda without a win. Yeah. I had to Google FTW when you sent me that. <laughs> Maeda, FTW. I thought you were saying, fuck the world. I was. Oh, you were. Okay. What did you think I was saying after you Googled well, it? Well, after I Googled it, it says for the win. Oh. <laughs> FTW is for the win. So I, I was like, oh, is he, is he just being nice? Uh, no, no. <laughs> Is he just like? Is he just saying like, Antimeida for the win, like great outing? And I was like, no, I wouldn't do that. I didn't think so, but so I should have trusted my initial instinct that fuck the world was what you were saying. That's right. Well. We got to start soon because the game starts. <laughs> All right. It is uh, Wednesday, uh, August 19th. The year is 2020. This is Underdogs. It's 10.53 a.m. I'm Jacob Eamon. Here with me is David Patrick Fleming. David, it's almost 11. Uh, I, I feel like I, I just woke up and... You know, I'm trying to get prepared for the show. We watched the Jays. I watched the Jays until almost midnight last night, and you were working. You're catching up this morning. We got to get through this show so we can watch them again. And we got to keep the energy up because I had to wake up early and watch the four-hour Jays game when I already knew what the outcome was going to be. And there's a a real difficulty in keeping your energy up when you sit through a four-hour baseball game with no fans. But here we go, Wednesday. Oh my baby. God! Like we finished editing the episode, or I did. I finished editing the episode um, <laughs> yesterday. I had like a couple hours where I had to like clean the house. You know, Brittany and I are getting into fights about how clean our house is. She's like sort of finishing school now, so it's like suddenly suddenly uh, things are changing you know i'm getting a she's she's suddenly got all this time to realize what what's happening i felt like i've been like holding up a lot of end of end of the bargain for both of us and now suddenly it's like are you doing enough how much time are you watching but baseball? does britney take the podcast work seriously or does she kind of view it as dicking around does she think that it's uh an actual job that we just don't get paid for or does she think it's like an excuse for you to watch baseball? So if you're doing the podcast, editing the podcast, watching games, but the house is dirty, do you get blamed with that because you're just sort of doing what you like to do, quote unquote, and dicking it, around? It really depends on uh, on the day, David. You know, you know how it is with a girlfriend. I I do. Um, I've never been in the situation where I was putting so much effort into doing something for free in a relationship like this, and I could imagine that that would have its complications. But what kind of mess are we talking about? Are we talking about like dirty plates, dust on the ground, clothes everywhere, laundry needs to be done? Well, it's more like, you know, I've been keeping things moving along here with like, you know, solid man tidying. And now suddenly she's like, we need to deep clean. Deep clean just means like Swiffer or? Like mopping, um, you know, like lifting all of the things, clearing off your counter to clean underneath things, uh, you know, getting behind the toilet with the mop, all, all, all the stuff that's like crazy when you, you go into your washroom, you're like, hey, there's a clean washroom. I feel really good about having guests over. Then you really get down into that toilet and you're like, oh my God, this is disgusting. 
And it's like, do I get 70% of my pee on the ground? Am I just not paying attention? Like, why? <laughs> this is like, it's, it's like sticky tack all over the ground. It's like, I don't, I don't recall when I'm peeing that I'm just launching urine on the ground by the toilet. But apparently I do. Apparently I do because that's what I have to clean when I clean the washroom. You know what's an alarming thing? If you ever go to, or if you ever, if you ever go and pee naked, like you don't have pants or shorts on or anything and you realize the kind of little like micro like aerosol uh, spray that comes back on your legs and you think about <laughs> you you think about that happening that you don't realize all the time on your pants and you realize the amount of piss that's everywhere that you don't know about yeah and then you just kind of leave that urine on your legs and then you got like kind of matted leg hairs stuck together with urine but what are you gonna do shower every time you pee naked no you can't like, you can't like, you don't you don't have time for that i agree i fully agree and anybody who thinks that you pee or shower every time that you pee naked nah, turn the podcast off find something else to listen to <laughs> okay so should we is that enough should we talk about uh should we talk about the Blue Jays now? Yeah, let's get into the Blue Jays. All right. Well, do you want to know what happened last night? I know you. I know you watched the game this morning. You've got a fresh, fresher, fresher eyes on it than I do. But uh, when I say fresh eyes, I would just say more uh, recent viewing. Uh, that game made my eyes uh, tired and made them want to close to not witness what I was looking at. Yeah. Well, watching it live, I think is probably worse i can't skip those commercials i can't skip the innings that i told you about that didn't matter here's the thing though when i watch it recorded and i try to skip innings or i try to skip commercials the refresh is almost as long as the commercials it's maddening i'm sorry about that um but for any of you out there at home who may have not watched the whole game, maybe you didn't see the game but you love listening to underdogs, we've got our 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 hit segment here for you. It is the game diary. Here we go, baby. It's 7.35 p.m. Nate Pearson is back on the mound tonight, and you can just feel it in your heart. He is going to dominate. He has to. Like Anakin Skywalker before him, he is the chosen one here to bring balance to the Force. Or maybe he's Luke or, or like Ray. Whatever. He's powerful, and he almost makes these highlighter blue uniforms look good. Okay, no Tay Oscar, no Telez, no Bichette. Feels like Nate is going to have to be perfect tonight, and he starts out with a walk, and oh my god, a home run again? Santander? What? Jesus, is this is deja vu. Does Baltimore really need to have a World War II bomb siren go off when they hit dingers? It's so triggering. 2 nothing Orioles. Jansen makes a bad throw trying to catch a base stealer in the second. Wasn't he good at throwing last season? Brittany wants to play the game where we drink every time Buck says season, but I'm too mad. I'm drinking like it's a job I don't like now, and there is no time for fun. Gritchick is up with Bijuan, and here he goes again. Ding dong, ding dong. It's 2-2, and I'm still miserable. And then I know why. I could smell Santander coming, and he comes up and hits another dinger. It looked like trash, too, a fly ball that just kept flying. If I ever kill myself, I will cite the Blue Jays as the number one reason on my death manifesto. 3-2 Orioles. 
I'm going to include Angel Hernandez's name on that suicide note, too. I'm sure he's already been on more than one. All right, top of five. And the eight and nine guys, Tony Alford and Santiago Espinal, get on and then get on the corners with no out. Biggio walks again. That's a lot of juice for Gritchick, and he does not disappoint. Almost hits a grand slam out of the park the other way, but it goes off the wall. Cashes in two with a double. Four three J's. Whoa, 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 whoa! Shaw hits a no-doubt bomb, 7-3 Jays, and suddenly Pearson is in line for the win. I can't, I can't believe I'm almost feeling sort of happy. My favorite moment of this game is actually right after that, though, on a 2-0 pitch to Vladdy that is way outside, but it's called for a strike, and Vlad cracks the biggest smile and laughs out loud at it. But the fun is over as he grounds out to Mordor near shortstop. I get a little stoned on my vape pen and played yesterday's game diary to Brittany while watching today's game, and we were both into it. I played it on my big speakers while watching Nate pitch the fifth, and and suddenly I felt like I was really tripping out and getting meta, writing about tomorrow but listening to yesterday, and yet back then it was today and when i read this now it will be yesterday again jesus i i turned it off and they hit another two-run dinger off nate he's out he's done shun yamaguchi time ladies and gentlemen we have an error on the blue jays infield it's seven six now feels a bit like i could have a panic attack later tonight yeah i've got a sneaking suspicion i might convince myself i've got covid while i'm trying to go to sleep tonight Espinal is two for three tonight. Let's go, kid. Gucci is back in the next inning, and I don't really know why. Font gets in at some point, and, and I finally noticed the blue emu advertisement behind the plate. Blue emu maximum relief. America's number one odor-free emu oil formula. I order two bottles on Amazon. I scream why at Shaw as he gets out trying to stretch a base hit into a double. Does he have body dysmorphia? Was he like way faster last year and is learning on the fly that his body is done? AJ Cole has two outs in the bottom of the seven. Runners on second and third. And I shit you not, Charlie Montoyo intentionally walked Dwight Smith Jr. The bases are loaded. Hanser Alberto smacks it, and Shaw makes a good play and throws it from his knees again, but Vlad just can't catch the ball. Base is still loaded, intentionally. Pop up and inning over. Tie game, 7-7. Jays do nothing in the 8th. Jays do nothing in the ninth. Fast time. He shuts the door, and we are in extras again. Vladdy up and works the walk. Two on, nobody out. Jano drops another sack bunt perfectly. One out. Lourdes ground ball to first. Chris Davis tries to throw home and they miss it. Blue Jays score, 8 7. Bass is going back out this time for the save and poetic justice, man. Recent former underachieving Blue Jays prospect Dwight Smith Jr. might have just lost this game for the Orioles. He ran through a stop sign going home and gets caught in a rundown, and he did. He lost it. Pop up. Jays win. Jays win. It's 11.34 p.m. Boom! Just a quick four hours. Quick four hours reduced into a couple minutes there for all of y'all. You asked what I needed to see from late Nate Pearson last night, and it was to throw strikes, and that is not 
at all what I saw. David. It's it's really interesting how he's getting drilled, smoked. Because if you watch a game, you see a bunch of fastballs that could be drilled that don't, and so there's an element of of luck or chance or whatever. It seems like every time he makes a mistake in location with a fastball, it's gone or it's smoked. Well, I think after, like, if you watched a couple of, of, of games, the tapes you watch of his previous outings, you have, to, you have to just say, don't swing at anything other than the fastball in the zone. Let, if you can recognize the slider, let it go. If you can less, recognize the curveball, let it go. If he throws something, change up, it looks like it's going out, let it go. Just wait for the 97-mile-per-hour fastball that's going to do all the work for you if you can hit it. Yeah, and his body language is is really troublesome right now. He doesn't look confident. He sort of looks like a kid who's like, ah, I don't like this. This doesn't happen to me. Yes. Stop it. It's, it's, it's really <laughs> frustrating to see, and, and you try – to just remind yourself of how inexperienced he is and the lack of polishing that he was able to get it at at triple A, you know, his, if 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 this was a normal season, his service time manipulation would have let him get starts in triple A and get some confidence, get some refinement after the off season. And instead, we're watching his development and watching serious struggle at the big league level. I mean, I think he, I don't think he was struggling with confidence when he first came up to the big leagues. I think he thought he was going to blow people away, and there was a chance that he would. But for whatever reason, he's just not locating his pitches, and I think he's going through something that he was going to go through regardless of when he got yeah. called up. I mean, yeah. To be fair to him, he, yeah, like you said, he's had very little, uh, like a few starts in AAA. It's extremely rare for a pitcher to be in the big leagues on the amount of minor league pitching. Absolutely, and it's and it's entirely possible that for whatever reason this kind of these kind of outings would have been happening in AAA, and he might not have even been called up as soon as his service time manipulation time was over. It's crazy how tough big league hitters are, though. When you think about even some of the pitches that he is throwing that are getting hit, it's still you know ninety five, ninety six. Yep, just smoking it. Even even the second Santander home run that's uh, like a slider on the outside of the plate, that's still a tough pitch to hit opposite field yeah. dinger on. Well, did you? I feel like I've I had heard Santander's name like once or twice before this season, but this guy's lighting it up. This guy's amazing. Yeah. I got him. I got him on my fantasy team, and of course, like you know, I thought about mentioning that in the in the game diary. But I was surprised you didn't. I was waiting for that. Actually. It's it just felt like it was too complicated to get into. You know, uh, I'm <laughs> I'm feeling I uh, basically the biggest thing is that I didn't feel any joy from them until after I didn't feel any any good feelings until after Nate Pearson was out of the game with Santander coming up. It's so weird to watch the game on replay because I don't really go through those same waves of emotion of what I'm sure you felt when Pearson was pitching and when he came out because in I yes. know the end game. I know that they win the game and I know that everything's going to be fine. But I could imagine that that was pretty frustrating. It, it was. It was more than you know. And especially when, especially when like, while you're like kind of feeling really unsatisfied when he comes back out in the fifth and he's in line for the win, and you're like, you don't deserve that, Nate. <laughs> Get off the mound. What do you think you're doing? Yeah, and then he gives up another dinger, and it all just kind of falls apart. 
with Trent Thornton figuring into the mix, do you think it would be wise to give Nate Pearson some some extra time off uh, next time through the rotation? Go through a go through a round without him, or uh... I don't know. And one of the reasons I'm not sure is because I'm not really sure about Tanner Roark either. Um, but it, it, I don't know if extra time does extra time help him because it's not like he can go down anywhere and take a start. So it's sort of just like, hey, can you sit around completely healthy and start to get into your head about why this is happening? And I, I mean, he has four days in between a start to work on some element of delivery that might be forcing him to be out of the zone. I don't know. It yeah. doesn't seem some of that's going to be rest time though. Like he's not able to, like he can't get up tomorrow and start working on things. He's got to let the arm rest. I'm assuming for a full day before he can throw anything. I guess for me, this 60 game season just doesn't feel like it has that much importance in it. Not that it doesn't have that much importance, but it doesn't have the same level of importance of a regular season. So just throw him out there. Let him have a disaster. And I know that with these wins in Baltimore, it puts them closer to a potential playoff position. But what's more important? What's more important at this? Like he could, it feels like he could figure it out at any moment. It feels like if he goes out next time and he starts throwing strikes right away, yeah, here we go. It'll I be- guess the thing for me is that I keep, I've felt like that the last, I don't know, every every time he goes out there, I keep thinking like, yeah, he's he's had yeah. the time. He's going to have made the adjustments, but it seems like it's not changing at all. So I'm just wondering, you know, maybe, uh, maybe go through the rotation once without him. Maybe you do that and, Ease him back in, in the bullpen. I don't know. Have him have him come out for an inning or two that way, and and start building up his confidence again. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the option is, but I'm guessing they're not going to do anything. Yeah, I, selfishly, I I would love him to come out of the bullpen because I want to see how hard he can throw. Because his velocity is really weird to me. He starts out the game and his first fastball is 93, and then it's like 95, and then every now and then 98, 99, 93. And that's not typical from a pitcher. You don't see that sort of variation in in fastball velocity too often. So I don't know. I don't know what that's about. I don't know if he warms into something purposefully or or what that is. But I, I do find that. Yeah, weird. I do. I do as well. Maybe it is just war- just warming up. Like he doesn't uh, he doesn't put too much time into really warming up his arm before the start doesn't want to waste any bullets that way so it's just a progression of getting looser with the arm i don't know it's it's a bit odd i agree i would guess for me if it's max effort for him to throw those 98 99s and that's why he holds it in the in the tank then maybe that's not a good thing for him to throw those Mm -hmm. maybe that's going to damage his arm because if it's more if it's easy for him to get you know 97 98 99 do it but if it if it requires that much effort then then don't because i just feel like he's just a pitch away from tommy yeah the way they talk about him though it doesn't seem like it is that much more effort for him to get that higher velocity but that it's more of that something's failing within his mechanics now and that normally it looks like he's getting 97 98 fairly easily without reaching back for anything and that when he was reaching back for things before it was getting up to like 104 like he did in that in that game so it's just there's something there's something off something's not clicking something's wrong in his in his delivery or something i don't know what it is but it's definitely concerning it is concerning because you could imagine a young pitcher like that just sort of keeping an injury to Mm -hmm. himself and that would just be devastating if he 
wasn't being open about it. And then he hurt himself more than was necessary if he had just told somebody like, hey, my arm feels fucked or my back or my knee, whatever yeah. it is. And there's a lot of talk, and it's even when I'm watching other games, a lot of talk about this idea that pitchers and pitching coaches can't go back and look at video of what they're doing along the way. You know, they can't they can't watch a, see what's happening uh, in their mechanics where the where the balls are going in the zone after the inning and look at it and make adjustments. They literally just have to be trying to see it live with their own eyes and from the side view. And trying to figure out what's going wrong, and it's got to be extremely difficult. What? That's an Astros repercussion thing, or that's a COVID it's thing? A, why it's can't a COVID thing, I believe. Yeah, I guess that's why I wonder when we're hard on people who are struggling. There's so many things that we're unaware of of their process that might be hindered right now because of COVID mm-hmm. protocols or because of fallout of the Astros scandal and what you are now allowed to do with video in game and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. It's it's August 19th now, and it's hard to believe, but the trade deadline, David, is fast approaching, and Crazy. rumblings are happening, rumors are starting to trickle out about who might be available. Um, the most intriguing thing, uh, thing that I saw, and the most intriguing team right now has got to be the Red Sox, who... Bogarts? Yeah, baby, they might just end up in full tank mode. Red Sox CEO Sam Kennedy said that no one is untouchable. And though unlikely, that could mean that Xander Bogarts is available for a huge price. He's he's signed to a $120 million extension through to 2025, but Boston's farm is ranked 25th right now by MLB.com, and that is just received a big bump from that Jeter Downs shortstop that they signed. Um, so, you know, they're looking at, a, a pretty serious rebuild and you can sort of see the reasoning that they might just be starting to compete around 2025 or 2024 and missing out on the prime of Bogart's career and a potential huge haul for what they could get for him. Now, do you, if, if, if you're the Blue Jays, are you going out to, to try and get them or figure out what you need to get it done if they call you? I guess you definitely make the call and you just see what the price is. It's a tough thing because when I think shortstop, I don't think that that's a need of the Blue Jays. Now, Bogarts is a better shortstop than Bo Bichette. Right now. Yeah, right now. And don't know how Bo would react to that news. I don't know if Bo is happy playing third base if Bo's happy playing second base I didn't even consider him playing third base I don't know if he I don't know if I really trust Bo's arm as much at third yeah that's totally fair but I think most of the throws from shortstop are farther distance than right so if his arm plays it short it plays okay I had imagined him moving to second and then perhaps you found your new outfielder uh, with Kevin Biggio moving out into the outfield due to that move. Uh, it's intriguing, but I got to imagine you're looking at uh, Austin Martin, probably Simeon Woods Richardson, and likely more than that if you're going to get uh, Xander Bogarts. That's the thing that's so tricky about it. How does Bo react to that? Because if you want, if Bo is a, this you know potential MVP, perennial MVP candidate that he seems to be in his short time in the big leagues, let's just say that that continues and that's true. 
and you sort of fracture the relationship at this point in his career by bringing in a shortstop and forcing him to play a new position. And then maybe when he plays that new position, he struggles oh. for a bit, he, his offense struggles because of it, or, you know, and then you go to re-sign him or you go to af- offer him a contract and he's like, no, I don't like the way that that was dealt with. And then you end up losing Bo Bichette, uh, and then while you have him, he's not as productive as he was because um, you fucked with his position and his place on the team. Or maybe there's a thought that, look, Bo, maybe your knee injury is because you play shortstop. Maybe it's not because of the way you swing. Maybe it's because you play shortstop. And maybe playing third base would be better for you. Maybe he agrees. Yep. Who knows? The other thing is that maybe you have the conversation with him and Bo's like, Xander Bogars is incredible. His bat is worth it. That's the kind of move that could lead to us winning a championship. And, you know, maybe I'm willing to move. Maybe Bogarts is willing to move. Maybe Bogarts I was would just be thinking that interested in thing, playing yeah. third base for us in a kind of a Manny Machado, a very similar to a Manny Machado kind of move. Uh, but wouldn't you think that that would work against the analytics? And, and, and I'm not sure that that's true because Bogarts is older than Bo, but... If you had a guy who was better at shortstop than your shortstop, who you were moving to a different position just to keep uh, the chemistry healthy, that seems anti-analytical, which I, I don't know if that was a word that I just said. But uh, it seems like that would go against the way that the Blue Jays would, would work. I, I, I would assume that that's probably accurate, but I don't know. And I don't know... I, I don't know how much better Bo has gotten at shortstop and what the actual difference in their skill set and their ability to get the outs at short is. Like, how how great of a disparity are we talking about? How great of a shortstop is Xander Bogarts? I don't know. He's obviously really good, but, like, the biggest thing about him, at least now, is his bat, right? Okay, so then you're Ross Atkins, Simeon Wood Richardson, Austin Martin. Let's say it's just that. Let's start. Let's start at that level. Yes, hundred percent. No? Yes, they mean nothing to me now, right? Like Simeon Woods Richardson is 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 free money right now. We just got Austin Martin. We he he had, he never will have more potential really than he has right now. And it was such a steal in the draft to even get him. It's like you have this found gold and you don't know what to do with it. It's like uh, we could sell it now at its highest price that. That because we weren't expecting to get him anyway and get this incredible player, or you could try to develop him and then you have this super cost-effective player for six, six yes. or seven years. It all just depends on where they think they're at and where they think the development is. When are they ready? Because if they think they're ready next season or in the next three se- in the next three seasons, I'm more interested in getting Xander Bogarts than I am imagining where. Austin Martin's going to be in four years. I, I can't imagine them doing it for Martin and Woods Richardson. I don't know. It's hard to I know. think it's going to be a, more than that. I, I think they might want a major league ready mm-hmm. player. But also, like, I don't know if they would. What do they, what, why waste that now? What are they competing for? <laughs> we, we don't know. Obviously, we don't know what it, what it is or what they would want or if, if, if the Xander Bogarts thing is just a fun media thing to say that he might be available and give us something to talk about. Oh, I would imagine that the Red Sox, but that's the thing about saying a player like that's available and then there's an arms race, then it's who can give them the best offer. And and it's and if, let's say, 
the offer was Martin and Woods Richardson, some other team is going to trump that. There's always going to be a massive market for a guy who plays up the middle and is a yeah. great bat and is fairly cost yes. effective. Yeah. He's a massive contract. I mean, it's a lot of money, but not per no, year. No, for sure. Uh, it's it's worth it for what, what he is and what he, you know, he might still be getting better. Seems to seems like I I know that is that his bat slightly down this season, but uh, he's got really no other no other protection in his lineup. And you know, Devers is starting to come around right now, but no Mookie. Uh, Andrew Benintendi is is a is a black hole that used to be a baseball player. It's hard to read you know? in too much about what anybody's doing in this sixty game yeah, season. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but let's move on because JD Martinez is also. Uh, I mean, likely even more so going to be available. And he has opt-outs after each of the next two seasons. So trading him now makes sense. But uh, And it will cost a lot less for you to get J.D. Martinez. But it's going to mean less DH time for Vladdy. Probably some more time in left for J.D. Martinez. And then where does Lourdes Gurriel go? It's a, it's a weird domino effect to Bring in an outfielder DH who's more of a DH for us. But the bat is... I, I think moving forward, he's almost exclusively a DH. Probably. But is that also just because Boston's outfield situation looks a lot different defensively than than what ours has looked like and looks like even now? He's getting old. I get so worried with older players. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I don't know what the fallout with his Astro scandal is. If he can never watch video again, then maybe that affects his ability to produce on the field. I don't know, but I'm way less interested in an older player who is potentially a full time DH than I am of a player who can play both sides, like a Bogart. His bat though fits the profile, so the ask would have to be a lot less. Yeah, for sure. Who who doesn't want that bat anyway? Who whose profile doesn't that I know. bat fit? And but I think it actually fits our profile more than the idea of what I feel like a lot of people think we need from our profile bat. And and I mean that in that I don't necessarily think we need another huge power guy. And JD Martinez has a lot of power, but the the thing with JD Martinez is is he's actually like a terrifying person to try and get out. You know, he hits for a massive average and gets into a lot of power, just like the kind of guy that you are going to rely on to come up in tight situations and get some runs, move things along, take his walks. I, it's, 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 it's consistency that you would get with him. I think you'd also get a lot of these secondary things of younger players seeing how he goes about what he does, mm-hmm. seeing what his plate approach is like. Because he's like a, a baseball junkie in terms of hitting. A lot of players have said that about him and that they learned a lot oh, from yeah. him. Mookie. I believe Mookie Betts has Exactly, he has. Um, so I think you get a lot of secondary. Yeah, I'm starting to veer. I mean, you're starting to sell me more on that idea because the, the benefit of young players, like think if he could just, think if, if J.D. Martinez said two things to Vladdy that changed the trajectory of his career, it would be worth every dime even if jd martinez spent the entire blue jays tenure on the yeah. il the the, th- <laughs> the only thing that he might need to say is hey vladdy i don't get to play 
unless you can play first base? Are you able to do that? Can you put in the work? Can you keep running in your program of cardio before every game so that we can get my bat in the lineup every day so cause, cause, so you don't have to play DH every other day? Laddie's looking a little... Uh... A little thinner. I will say that. I'm going to give Vladdy some credit there. I laugh it up, but he is like, he's looking less puffy. You think so? I have. I do. I mean, maybe he is. I think you're just looking at the hits. I think the hits, the hits like. No, a, I'm not. I'm, lo- I'm, I'm literally not. I'm staring at his face and his body, and it's it's less puffy. Okay. Absolutely. Well, Hazel May did report he's lost a couple of undisclosed number of pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost a couple of pounds. I'm not going to tell you how many. I don't know. It was one or two, maybe three, but I'm going to keep it to myself. But even if it's a dietary change and he's lost. A lot of the water weight that eating a high carb diet, you hold on to a lot of water. So even if it's that, that's something because that's what it looks like to me. It just looks less yeah. puffy. While we're talking about bodies, I want to wrap up the show with one topic here for you. You heard me mention it in my game diary. Have you? I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna walk things back a little bit here for Travis Shaw. I'm I've been hard on him frequently, but have you considered that maybe Travis Shaw? prepared very differently in the offseason and during the pandemic for a season he thought he was going to be playing at first base and that he found out actually he had to move to third base uh, not like but less than a month ago after he's been going about making decisions in life uh, you know having a different mindset about what what I have to do in my professional career um, instead of you know, standing at a base and lunging for a ball to catch it. Now he's now he's in a position where he's running around making diving catches. I don't know. I, I, if he did, that's garbage because he was so bad last year. He's so lucky to be given the contract offer he was by the Blue Jays. And if he wants to keep playing in the big leagues and if he wants to keep making money, then it was definitely in his best interest to get in the best shape possible. But maybe he was getting in the best hitting shape, you know, because the big thing that we wanted was his bat and we weren't, we weren't expecting him to be playing a, a super athletic defensive position. I think if you've been in the league as long as he has, you know that things change pretty fast. And to just assume he was going to play first base all the time and that nothing would happen that would take him away from that, even though it's probably known to some degree that Vladdy is going to transition to first base and that I'm sure conversations like that have happened. So I can't imagine him just preparing to play first base and not putting the work in because I don't really know like what the massive amount of difference would be in how you'd prepare for first and third you still dive at first base you still have to have lateral uh, explosiveness at first base you still have to throw it's the ball. just it's just a matter of uh, of time of moving your time around how much time you're putting into into cardio, into making your body as athletic as possible versus time that I need to be making sure that I can turn my hitting around and spending in the cage. Yeah, but it's the same thing. Like being as athletic as possible is going to make you better in the box. It's going to make you a better hitter. It's not like, oh, I wasted all this time getting in tip-top athletic shape and now I'm duffing the ball every time I Yes, but human nature, you go in there and you want to, you get into the gym and you want to, work on the the bench press and the bicep curls and not necessarily get into it with the lunges and the leg press and all the all the stuff that's less flashy i think if he hits it's a mute point anyway because if he if he hits and he plays a mediocre third base 
it's fine. If he hits and he plays a mediocre first base, it's fine. If he can keep hitting, it'll be fine. Well, I can't, I can't, I don't know how many times I can bear watching him get thrown out at a base at at, at at runs that he has no business making. It's not the first time. Last night, I know you said it wasn't brutal in our text message thread, but I was losing my mind. Santander, like, the, the ball he hits to right field, it's a worm burner. It doesn't even make it to the wall. Santander cuts it off before the warning track. It's questionable, though, because once you see the outfielder's back, you know that they're running the other way to get the ball. You see the outfielder's back getting the ball. So that's like a sign that it's not necessarily going to the wall, but they're if, they're, if you just see the fielder's front of you, you just see their chest and their face, you stay. But as soon as they make that turn to try to take a sharper angle to cut the ball off, you know that there's at least an opportunity. So it was a risk. But I didn't think it was a horrible risk. But when I was watching it, it did seem like one of those movie moments where if you could play it in slow motion and you're like the old man is like going to second base to try to win the World Series, like da, na, 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 na. and you just hear the coach go, no, da, na, 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 na. and then like he dives and is like, gut hits the ground and the ball comes in but in the movie he's safe and absolutely was not safe uh when i watched that this morning and it, it, it was frustrating absolutely but the only reason i responded to your text that way is because i thought brutal was too strong a word i didn't think it was right. brutal i i didn't i didn't think it was great but for I me it it's just the, the compound nature of what keeps happening with him running the bases and and it's just it's just wearing on me it's it's really starting to wear on me. Well, there's been so many other moments with other players too, so it's just sort of the all compounding yes. into this frustration in the same. In I'm the just same I'm thing. just feeling like he doesn't know and that he's learning. He's like it's like it's someone like that didn't know that they've gained weight, and then they keep seeing like these pictures, and people are kind of looking at them different. They don't see it in the mirror quite yet, but their body has changed, and I feel like he's learning it every time he gets called out, and he's like, what? I used to I used to leg that out no problem. I've I've hit that ball so many times in my life and it was I got in and maybe it was a little close but but it was safe. What has happened? I feel I feel like we're all learning that now in the yeah. pandemic. We we just think we look the same and then we're like I look totally the same and the pandemic hasn't affected me weight wise. I just can't wear any of my pants or my shirts. I have to buy all new clothes for whatever reason. It's the pandemic, yeah. I think. He almost kind of reminds me, it's not quite the same, but there's a really hilarious thing that if you ever play MLB the show, it's been the same since the beginning. They, they have never been able to figure it out. But <laughs> players who run slow, they haven't figured out how to like animate that in a way where it looks like they're still putting effort into running it's just like they run like so mechanically and it just moves like slower than people who run fast and it's you're like what yeah. it's like he's walking just put a bit more effort into it because like the the expression on their face doesn't change the like tension in their body they, they don't know how to animate that yet and that's what kind of reminds me of it it's like actually just like like he's moving through like a, a more resistance like there's more gravity he's running through or something it's <laughs> It looks like it hurts. It looks like every step he takes hurts. It looks like the end of like uh, a documentary uh, for like a weight loss series. And he's taking that extra mile going out that to get that extra run to lose weight. And it looks like everything yeah. fucking hurts. Yeah. 
Well, I, I'm assuming he's going to need a, a day off today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're like, what, an, an hour from, from game time? When's it started today? 12.35? Or is that just... Uh, I think it's 1. I think okay, it's 105. 1.05 start time. We will wrap it up here. Um, let's, go for, let's go for that sweep, right? Let's get it done. Get back, get back near 500. Show these Orioles uh, who they really are. All right.